Lord. You enjoy this first session this morning. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory. Yes. Yes. I want to know why you don't do this when I'm preaching. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, we're going to start off this next session with another video, another interview. Enjoy. Oh, okay. Interview that I'm having with Sean Caveney today. Um, welcome, Sean. Thanks, Pastor John. It's wonderful to have Sean with us. Sean's been, Sean and his family, die. his wife and his family have been with us all of their lives, the kids' lives anyway. Um, from, for them, they've been with us 21 years. And so this is probably long overdue, but it's time now. And so thank you, Sean, for being here. I yeah. appreciate it. Pleasure, Pastor yeah. John. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be I've good. I've seen you do this many times. And it's <laughs> nice to do it now it's you on that side. <laughs> and thank goodness I've done that, Pastor yes. John. And part of it yes. also was to be an example to my boys. Right. And also getting tired of living half in the world, half in, in the body. It's exhausting, uh, actually, John. And you, you're not fulfilled in either, Pastor John. Yeah. And it almost got to a stage, I would say, six, seven years ago, maybe even longer, yes. where it was a case of it's enough. Right. You've got to go full tilt. You've got to yes. live by faith. Yes. You've got to give everything to God. Yes. Uh, and that was a huge change for me, Pastor John, significant change. Right. Uh, where that decision, that realization is that you're not fulfilled in either, and it's a continuous struggle in yes. both. Yes, yes. Uh, and it's time to actually make the decision of doing this properly. And when yes. I say doing properly, of just going all out all for in. God. Yes. All in, all, all in, in, Father. Yeah. And... Uh, what a change, Pastor John. What a change. Not without, it's not, not doesn't mean it's challenges. easy. Correct. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. We'll fight the good fight of faith. faith. Yeah. It is a fight, but it yes. is good because we win. Yes. But I was thinking, why am I here today? And I need yes. to encourage people and exactly. just share some of my experience. Absolutely. So I'm going to go there, go Pastor for it. John. Thank go for you. it. So for me, the biggest realization was that, thank goodness, I had the revelation of tithing. Yes. And I had that in my first paycheck wow. in February 1998. Yes. Tithing and as well as offerings. Yes. But offerings more with uh, helping people, uh, uh, NGO, mindset, right, right. etc., as opposed to laugh. Yes. And as opposed to sharing the gospel. Right. And as I've learned, you know, you can do a lot more than sharing the gospel than actually just feeding someone, yes. etc. To rumor at that stage wasn't an option, but I'll right. touch on that, Pastor yes, John. Yes, please. So that revelation has always been with me and always been something that I've been taught. And yes. thank God for that. And despite all of the uh, callings and giftings that God gave you, the principle of doing the word has been a foundation anchor in your life, right, Sean? Absolutely. Yes. Anchor foundation, but not so much a revelation. Right. Okay. Because about seven years ago, Pastor John, yes. I was sitting there and I was saying, right, look at this wealth I'm accumulating. Yes. And if the institution where I work, if the share price goes to this, I can be worth this. I yes. can be worth this. I can be worth this. And almost spreadsheets. Right. Of saying this is what I'm going to be worth. Right. Of course I do tithes. Of course I do yes. offerings. Yes. But no revelation that I live by faith, Pastor John. Right. And it was a total I live by works. Right. And I put my trust in the institution, which is a wonderful institution. Right. right. But it was not living by faith, Pastor yes. John. And I always looked at the woman who gave two pennies. Yes. And the widow and how Jesus said, you know, what she's done is incredible. Right. And it was almost a realization for me of you're not living by faith, Sean. You know, you think you, you, you're quite pious and you're quite yes. spiritual. I've been a tither. I've always given stuff. And, Correct. Yeah. But it's almost a case of if I'm worth this and defining my worth by my balance sheet, mm. then I can do this. That's so good, Sean. Quite sad. Yeah, sad. I mean, Very absolutely. sad until there was an actual thing of, yeah. no, throw yeah. your lot in here with Jesus. Right. Trust Jesus. Right. Go this route. Yes. Be part of an institution and create wealth yes. and have a purpose with it, Pastor yes. John. Yes. And if I may say the way I'm talking, sounds like I've got it waxed, and I don't, Pastor John. It's a daily, it's a journey. daily, daily struggle. It is. But it's a struggle that's quite easy, Pastor John, if I'm spiritual. Right. And if my relationship with Jesus is yeah. there. Yeah. If I'm with Jesus every day, it daily. It becomes much easier to easy. make those choices, right, Sean? But, and, and, and so say however you yes. want to participate in this conversation, Sean, but 
But in the institution, there's this continuous, even though now you live it much easily, much more easily because you've made that decision. I'm all in. Yes. So it's easier now. But still, you live with all of those voices, all of that information, all of that knowledge every day. And so I guess that's part of why you still struggle. It's because you're involved in it. And you, I mean, there's no way around it. You just got to be more in the word. And the more you are in the word, the better it will become. But what a wonderful place to be, Pastor John, if you can be spiritually strong and be the difference. Yes. So you say faith is not a formula. It's a relationship, 100%. But I have a little acronym or a formula that I say every day. Okay. If I may share with you. Yes, please. So every day, as you've taught us, is what's your purpose today? Yes. Now, my purpose is not to go make money today. Right. My purpose is to be a Christian. Yes. Well, what's the purpose, point of being a Christian is to be spiritual. spiritual. What's the point of being spiritual is to be, bring heaven down to earth. earth. And what does that mean for me, Pastor John? Practically on a Monday morning, what does that mean? Yes. That means that every meeting I'm in, yes. you just honor, you serve, you yes. love your clients, you yes. honor, serve, love your colleagues, and you just share the love of Christ. And you just be an influence. Yes. And that gives purpose for the day. Amen. If I can continue. Amen. Go for it. Then, Pastor John, I say the little acronym is PCGA. Right. C stands for calling. Where am I called to, Pastor John? I'm called to you and I'm called to this ecclesia. Right. And that's very important because all of a sudden you start looking and you start thinking, why don't I do this or try this? That's not what I'm called to, Pastor John. Right. Most important thing then is the next one, G, for gifting. Right. God has given me certain gifts yes. that I'm able to do and operate in. Yes. The big thing is it's from Jesus. Right. Because, Pastor John, I've seen over many years I start getting arrogant, I start getting proudful, I think I can do this, I can do that. As you always say, we can't even breathe without Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And that's a humbling that I cannot operate on a daily basis in that, my job That with, just centers you Jesus. and grounds you, right? And it gives yes. you the humility and where yes. to seek for help. Yes. And you know, Pastor John, there's been two or three things that through the Holy Spirit I've been able to introduce in my work that has changed the work. Mm. And I know it's totally through the Holy Spirit, total mm. ideas mm. that came from the Holy Spirit. Mm. So by recognizing every day that it's got nothing to do with me, it's through Jesus that I can do stuff. And then the last point is point A, Pastor John, Okay, is my assignment. Right. And my assignment at this point in time is to create finance for right. the body. Right. And that's quite a nice purpose to have. It's wonderful. Uh, wonderful. To, to be creating finance yes. and having a purpose, yes. an assignment to, to be money for the kingdom. Yes. Big shift from where I was six, seven years ago, where it was creating money for my balance sheet and for me, Pastor John, with an arrogance that... Look at me yeah. as opposed to a humility now that I'm nothing. This right. is through Christ. Right. What a joy for me to listen to you, Sean. Yeah, Pastor John. Because, because really, I mean, it's filled with the life of God. It's filled with all of the things that God has given us, yes. you know. But and if I may say, Pastor yeah. John, it's, it's, it's a humility in it because it's yes. a daily walk. Yes, it uh, is. And it's certainly it not is. saying I've got this waxed. No. And funny enough, my colleagues at work will say, Sean, go pray. You're full of nonsense today. <laughs> And you can see you. So they have a recognition of that that place that God occupies in your life. eh? And I've put it out there with them that my purpose is to be a Christian, to be spiritual. Yes. So they know when you're not fulfilling your purpose. So I'm accountable to them on it, Pastor John. That's good. Uh, But you can be the light. Yes. Uh, You can do that. But you have to build your faith daily, I find, Pastor John. Otherwise, again, you have half your foot in the world, half your foot, and you're going to get... You get chewed up and spit out Hopefully. if you do if yeah. that happens. Yeah, um, Sean, uh, uh, the thing that's really blessed me from what you were saying now is that the more that you operating in your gifting, yes. you know, and your assignment, obviously God's going to continue to bless you and increase you yes. because now He has a dedicated vessel. Yes, and so. The blessing of that is, is that as God increases you, you now no longer have any guilt or shame or any kind of uh, wrong kind of thoughts about money and what money can do. Because, you know, actually, it's a tool. Yes. And it's a tool connected to your assignment. That's right, Pastor John. It takes time to get to that point. Yes. But, you know, it's, it's really a tool to change and to make a difference. Right. And uh, I'm free. Yes. 
That's the big exactly. thing, John. You know, You're free, free to just live the way that God has given you the space. And I've got a belief and a trust in the supernatural ability of God. Yes. And sowing seed into that. Yes. And the work I do actually says you must invest in the markets, which right. I do do. And yes. I believe in that. And yes. there's wisdom in that. Yes. But I'm free from having to rely on the economy. Right. And having to rely on what I see every day and what I tell my clients. Yes. Because I believe in Jesus and I believe in God. And I believe right. the supernatural sowing of that seed, Pastor John. Yes. I need no convincing on that. No. Uh, I know the truth, Pastor John, if I may say humbly. Yes. That doesn't mean I always live according to that truth. Right. But I work towards it. Absolutely. Because I've seen in the last six, seven, ten years, Pastor John, the freedom and the sowing of seed on that. Yes. And I'm not doing it to be a blessed, to get a blessing, Father John, Pastor John, but the blessing has been immense. Yes. And the favor has been immense. Yes. That has come with it. Yeah. And not blessing and favor on money. It's it's not a sow seed to get it. It's on all the components of your life. And if you could speak to them, and let's say some of those people are are coming into the church, but they don't have the revelation that yes. you have yet. How would you speak to their fear? How would you speak to their their lack of purpose? And, and how what what kind of guidance yeah. would you give them? Yeah, I would just say jump into Jesus. Yeah. Jump in and trust Pastor yeah. John and then work a daily, daily, daily. Yeah. Because the fear that we see in the world is justified. Right. If you look at the world at the moment, yeah. If that's all you can see, it's totally then justified. it's justified. So you sure. need to work hard. You need to go for it. You need to put yes. in more effort yeah. because you need to make X to be safe for you and your family. And, that, and that's what people do. Yeah. And I can totally understand it. Yeah. The sad thing is I've seen is that people destroy their lives by making X. Right. And the Bible says that you create wealth, etc., but with no sorrow. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then people create this and then they realize, right, I actually am safe now because I have enough. Right. But they don't have peace or joy. Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate your time and opening yourself up and being vulnerable and sharing all of that. And for those that are are, uh, on on, on the digital platform, I just want to say blessings to you. May, May the peace of God come upon you. And I trust that what we have shared here, that the word, these words will change your future cause you to be more assignment based cause you to have a different perspective. And don't feel like Sean and I are sitting here, we got it all sorted. Sean said that many times. We're on our own journey. However, this ministers to you so that you can come on our journey, come along. We'll help you. We'll always pray for you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Well, I know how Sharon feels. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to hear the testimony of people's lives and how, you know, uh, it is just this way when you, when you receive a revelation. Uh, you have to work that revelation out into your life. Just because you have a revelation, it doesn't mean that every moment of every day you fully are living out the revelation. You will find that the scripture says, be, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, the word trance means to cross over. So if you are not conformed to this world, but you're crossing over by the renewing of your mind. That means it's a daily journey. It doesn't mean you wake up in the morning and your mind is now perfectly formed to a new revelation. The revelation is there. Now you've got to live with your mind that's connected to the revelation. So that's how you get transformed. You've been crossing over in your formation. And so when you are not conformed to this world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, it says, and you are now renewing your mind to live according to the new revelation that you have when you have that new mindset. So your mindset should be, I have a whole new revelation that I live by. That's where I've got to be. Amen. Okay. I think God is really ministering to us and helping us 
over this weekend to change our mind about a few things. We're crossing over with our mindset, aren't we? Now, for many years, I've been talking about worldview. And a worldview is the way that you view the world. It's your view. It is possible to have a worldview that is so completely connected to someone else's worldview or other people's worldview that you don't recognize that it's no longer your worldview, that it's someone else's worldview that you are living by. Typically, institutions are all about changing your worldview to match what they want your worldview to be. So if you are living in a system, almost always they will uh, identify your worldview by your language. And your language will be revealed in your behavior. So uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but just this week, the Supreme Court of America, American Supreme Court, made a ruling. And their ruling was that affirmative action-based uh, 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 enrollment into college in America is illegal. It's illegal. Affirmative action-based enrollment into universities and colleges in America is illegal. They deemed it to be unconstitutional. So, of course, there is a particular political persuasion in America that are all up in arms about it because they want everything to be about affirmative action because they can progress a narrative of racism. Because if I can accuse you of racism, I can... I can Determine whether you're racist or not by how much you agree with my language. And your language will determine your worldview. So it, it's the same thing in the spirit realm. Your worldview is revealed by your language. So who are you revealing your worldview to? Well, for the first person you're revealing your world to is yourself. If your language is revealing your own personal worldview to yourself, then it should be a case of, well, okay, my language, I'm hearing my language, and it's not, it's not the same language that God is using. So if you're talking about money, and this conference is about money, the way that you speak about money is going to reveal your worldview of money. So... If you just bear with me, now I'm going to get into law and grace in a minute. But if I'm talking about uh, um, a worldview of money, and you hear me say this, which you won't hear me say, but if you say, I don't have enough money for that, what am I talking about? If I say about a particular project, I don't have enough money for that, then I'm speaking language that says, I don't have enough. Now, you might say, but Pastor John, that's such a small thing. If you don't have enough money for a particular project, you don't have enough money for a particular project. Well, the answer is yes, I don't have enough money right now. But that doesn't mean to say I don't have enough money. So if I keep saying I don't have enough money for this project, then my words are reflecting my worldview about the project and about money that it's dependent on how much I have in the bank. So I can't go after a project because of what I have or don't have in the bank. Now, God says to me, okay, I want you to live in a worldview that's my worldview. Now, if God says I want you to have a, go after a project, How's he going to fund it? So how's God going to fund it? Well, I don't know. Not yet. He will reveal it to me in due course. I'm not yet clear on it, but I do know that he will fund it. 
Now, if you're God and you're sitting and you're talking about money or resources and you've got uh, a servant on the earth that's your son and you tell him, hey, John, I want you to do this. Are you guys going to work with me on this this morning? Yes. yes. Remember my Sunday message, I'm a shepherd, eh? I'm a shepherd. You must remember Sunday's message of a shepherd. I'm not after your money. I'm here to accomplish what God wants me to do. And I'm here that if you, are, if you, God lays it on your heart to work with us on any given thing that he wants to get money to you, he wants us to change our worldview. He wants us to change the way we see things, not because he needs our money. Okay, so if he says, John, I want you to buy some things so if you don't know this the house across the road here the first house we have bought it we're waiting for it to be transferred into the ministry's hands it's done there's some some transactions that need to take place because it was in an estate and it has to come out of the estate and there's some trustees in the estate that uh, some paperwork has to be sorted out but it's done In time to come, there will be more houses across the road, and I'm being vague about it because I don't want the enemy to know what we're doing and the word to get to other people what we're doing. But it is quite possible that in the not-too-distant future that the whole block across the road might belong to us. Why not? Praise the Lord. Thank you, MP. Amen. And so, and so I'm not just talking from a point of view, well, I think it's a good idea. I'm talking because we have got God-given stuff that we've got to do to promote this kingdom ecclesia. So because we've got to promote this kingdom ecclesia and what this ecclesia has got to do to build an education center to continue to grow my exchange, to continue to grow Bible school, to continue to grow Holy Ghost conferences and seminars and things that we have to do as a ministry. To increase our digital platform, to increase our capability and our capacity in line with Him, not in line with us. John, I want you to do this. How are you going to do it, John? God, how are we going to do it? Huh? If I look at my bank account, then I've got to say, I don't move until my bank account changes. No, I move and then my bank account changes. But if I don't obey God, then my bank account can't change. So one of the things that I did deliberately by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we have a, a ministry that we're connected to called Break Free Rehabilitation Center or Life Skills Center. I think, so when, when it came clear to me that we, we've got a farm on the horizon, we've got houses that we need to buy and things that we have to do, I, I said to, to Otto and, uh, and Ernest and Hein and a couple of the guys, and I said, go find out what break free needs because they're always building something there. They need capacity for more addicts, for more people that need things in their lives and changes and all that stuff. So they went across and they said, well, for a moment we've got everything we need, but we are wanting to build a new church. Building. What? What a coincidence. At the time I'm asking for what you need, they want to build a church on their property. So they've got a place where all of their people that are on the, on the property can go and worship together. So I said, give me a budget. How much is this church going to cost? So they gave me a budget. So we went and built the church. We went and built the church. And we did it in two days with my exchange people. 
Now, let me tell you how powerful this is for the, within my exchange people. They brought their skills, their energy, their capacity and their capability and their energy to build a church. What are they exchanging their lives for? To believe, to walk with God in their whole life, their whole future. So they're looking after God's church. They, God's going to look after them as the church. God says to us as a ministry, go and help them build a church because you got buildings. You got stuff on farms because their church is on a farm that you need to have the money for. So we went with my exchange and we went with our money and we went and built them a church. Well, so I just uh, felt this week that we needed to find out where they're at with the building project because they still needed to finish the roof and some of the cladding and some of the stuff inside the building. So find out that they've run short of money and uh, they haven't got the money to fix the cladding, the wood cladding inside the church. And there's still a portion of the roof that needs to have some internal stuff done and, and a few other things that they haven't been able to finish. So I said to, I said to Otto, I said, Otto, tell him I want a budget. He comes back to me. And the pastor there says, uh, no, we don't want to give you a budget because you've already been such a big blessing to us that we don't want, to, we don't want your money. So what are you going to do to do, get money? They go, they're doing a fundraising exercise at the end of the month, next month, to raise money to finish the building. I told Otto, I said, phone him and tell him it's not about whether he needs my money, it's the fact that I need to sow a seed. Because he's trying to find a way to meet his need. Meantime, God's already meeting his need because I have to sow a seed. So if he wants to keep saying, no, I don't want your money, then maybe God's going to speak to me at some point and say, well, don't give him any more money. But I'll, you know, I won't let him get to that. I won't. Because I understand that in his own value system and his revelation where he's at, this is the way he deals with people. So he would have to push me very hard to not do this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But there is, that, is a, that is a minister that is he's really doing an, an amazing work, works with the government. He gets people dropped off there any hour of day, any hour of night, people that, they, that are still under complete uh, uh, influence of drugs and they put them in a room and for days they've got to go through cold turkey and... And, and I mean, it's a real calling to look after people like that. And, and of course, part of the reason he's there is because he was one of them. He was, he was such a bad addict and he didn't, uh, he, there was no ways he was going to survive. And so God saved his life. And then after he got saved and saved his life, he felt that God called him to actually save other people's lives. You know, when you're in that desperate state with addiction, it's a life and death matter. You know, a lot of people that come into our church building, it's like, uh, I'll choose whether this is my church or not. And maybe I'll come here if it suits my kind of vibe and my kind of culture. And it's like a choice they can still make. But when you're on an, an addict and you're really desperate, it's a life and death matter. You know, then you've got to have people that are ready to go and walk the distance in that kind of scenario. Amen. My point I was trying to make to you more than anything else is, is that our needs are met not because we have people meeting our needs. Our needs are met because we sow seed. And our seed is in line with our words that we speak. And because our words speak it, then our seed follows our words. And then God brings to us what we need. So you always have to be listening and watching for opportunities where God can allow you to put your money where he wants you to put your money so that you can be in place where he can get something to you. That's how the kingdom of God works. That's how you move away from his capacity and his capability. I mean, from your capacity and your capability to his. That's how you do it. You've got to make a conscious choice. A conscious decision. 
Amen. Okay. Galatians chapter 3 verse 10. The New King James Version says it this way. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now, this scripture says, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things. And the Apostle Paul argues in other books as well, Romans in particular, he argues that if there's one thing of the law that you haven't accomplished or you haven't done, then it's the same as all of the law. You're guilty of not fulfilling any of the law because you've just broken one law. So you can't say, I want to live by the law, and then you only live by some laws that you think are good for you and other laws. If you break one law, you're guilty of breaking all of the law. So that's why when he writes the scripture and he says, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. In other words, you can't have a law that is based on I'm living the law by my faith I'm living the law because the law says that's how I must live. But if you live by faith, then you're living in something that is far greater than the law. So then don't be bound by the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. I'm going to talk about that holistically in a few minutes. I'm going to just keep reading. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is, uh, yeah, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it's confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and at your seed, who is Christ. And this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should, be make, that it should make promise of no effect. For if an inheritance is of the Lord, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Okay. It's quite a mouthful that. But uh, I'm wanting to just begin to take us down this route and I'll conclude it over the period of the weekend. I want to just conclude it. God created a system and his system was, I'm going to make man in my image. In the image of God, he made male and female. And when he made them, he said, here you are. You look like me, talk like me, be me on the earth. And all of this environment that you're walking in, this is the environment I've given you to look like me, to talk like me, to behave like me in this environment. So then the devil comes into this environment and he deceives one of them to do something that they was against the will of God. The other one, made a decision, which was Adam, to willfully relinquish his authority. He wasn't deceived. He just agreed with the one that was deceived. So he relinquished his authority willingly in order for them to go after a system that was offered to them. It was a system that was lower than the one that God wanted for them. When Abraham came into the world, There was no law established. There was just an order of a system that was still there. The order of the system was the order of a system that was established in the Garden of Eden. I don't want to get too technical here today or too theological here today, but just bear with me as I say this to you. That when God put man and 
man on the earth, Adam and Eve, he, he said, I'm multiply, have authority and dominion over the earth and behave like me. When he looked at the earth and he saw that the earth was evil and corrupt, and I will talk about the Tower of Babel and the whole story of Babel. I will talk about it probably tonight. But he said, uh, here's the system of blessing, dominion, and multiplication. When Noah came back on the earth, the first thing that God gave, said to Noah was exactly what he said to, to Adam. Multiply, increase, and have dominion on the earth. So when Noah came, Noah had sons. Those sons had sons. Abraham was born. Abraham entered into the God order of things. There was no law yet. He entered into God's order. What's that order? That order is live by your belief in the most high God. Live by faith. Live by faith. When the law came, the law said, you must obey all the rituals of the law. Even if you have faith in God, you must still live by the rituals of the law. Because only in the rituals of the law can you find deliverance from sin. Why? Because blood needed to be shed whenever you broke one of the laws. So now you have to depend on the shedding of blood to cover all of your misbehavior. So Jesus comes along and he pays the price. His blood is shed so that once and for all, he could pay all of our sins. Now we are back to a God order system, not a legal system. We are back to a restored system that God initiated with Adam and Eve and with Abraham. We are in a God ordered system, not a legal law system. Now, if I bring it back closer home to you and me, then I have to say, we are in a place where the law is about performance. It's about achievement. It's about results. The God order system is not about achievement or about results. It's about a person. It's about believing in Jesus. It's about faith. When God made covenant with Abraham, he made a covenant with Abraham in the order of, his, of, of the way he ordered things, not based on a law. That same covenant he made with Abraham is now our covenant. Because in Abraham, we are the seed, as I just read, we are the seed of Abraham according to what he promised Abraham that he would do through covenant, not through law. Why is this important to me, Pastor John, when you're talking about law and covenant and grace and all of these things? Because the minute you look at money as the system by which you will transact and you begin to love what money can do for you, you are under the law. Because your whole way of approaching money is based on, I've got to do something to get something. My energy, my capacity, my capability will be rewarded. God says, give me your energy, your capability and your capacity and build your walk with me and then let me show you what I can do for you. He's not wanting us to have less money. He's not wanting us to have less things. He wants to show us all of his goodness. But if we enter into this realm of financial liberty based on performance, we are already in a place where it's about us. So when God's, when Jesus says in the book of 
Matthew chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You've got to read the whole chapter before that to realize that he's talking about stuff. He's talking about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. So he's saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things that you need to wear, all these things you need to eat, all these things you need for your life, I will give them to you besides. In other words, more than you can ask for, you will have. If you seek him first. Why is that important? Because earlier in the chapter, uh, probably around verse uh, 18 or 20, somewhere around about there, he says, you cannot serve God and money, mammon, at the same time. You're either going to serve one or the other, or you're going to hate the one and love the other. You can't do both at the same time. So this is why so many people are confused about money. If I'm tithing because it's a law, I am unlikely to see the windows of heaven opened up on me and have continuous blessings poured out on me constantly because I'm tithing as an insurance policy. I'm not tithing because I'm honoring God. The one place of tithing is because I know it's the right thing to do. The other way of tithing is because I'm honoring him who has given me all things. One is a law-based principle. The other is a relational-based principle. So in the church, people that come into the church come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. What's happening to them? As they're coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ, they are saying, I have this freedom where actually I can explore this relationship with God Almighty. I can explore all of these things that God has for me. And then the church begins to teach them about the rules of the church. The rules of the church is tithing. The rules of the church is this. The rules of the church is that. Then they say, but hold on a minute. My walk with God has started with a relationship. Now you're making my work with God about rules. So the church is constantly saying, here's the rules you must do. If you do these rules, you will experience goodness. That's not what God said. God said, if you believe in Jesus, you seek him first and you seek his kingdom first, all these things will be added to you. That's the only thing that matters, seeking him. So we are not a rules-based people. We are relational-based people. We have a relationship with him. Come on. That's why I got to share that scripture about the law with you because the minute we make our walk with God about do's and don'ts, we cannot be an ecclesia because the ecclesia is about following the will of God, not about keeping a set of rules. So if we are making tithing a rule, then we are limiting God to the tithe. God says, if you trust me enough and you honor me with your life substance, you should be joyful in the tithe because that should be the beginning of all of the walk that you have with us is the tithe. That's just the beginning of your honor. It's the minimum that you should consider doing out of your faith. So, I mean, people, people around the world have different opinions about this and, and I'm not going to say one is right or wrong. But I've heard people say this. If you can't tithe, well, then just give 2% or just give 4% or just give 6%. Give what you can so that you can get used to giving so that you can achieve 
uh, level of 10% when you get there. Well, uh, I would suggest to you that they are making tithing about money, not about faith or about honor. And so my answer to that is keep your money because you lack faith to tithe. So build your relationship in God while you keep your money. Because while you're building your relationship in God, he's going to give you the faith to part with your money. Because tithing should be about faith and about honor. It shouldn't be about rules. As the church should not be about rules, it should be about grace. So what does the church tolerate in the... Here's the word tolerate. I've been preaching about tolerance. So we are not walking about tolerance. We're talking about kindness and mercy and grace. We expect higher from each other. We expect living for God fully from each other. But I'm not going to judge you because you are in a different space between me and God. So I'm not tolerating you. I'm showing God's love towards you. Amen. And so that I can say is the way that God is treating me. God is not tolerating me in my growth. God is showing his love towards me as I'm growing. And he would say to me, John, I see your heart. Your heart is completely towards me that you want to love me. You want to serve me. You want to go all in for me. Your behavior is not yet where your heart is. And I'm giving you mercy and I'm giving you grace so that I empower you to lift up so your behavior is in line with your heart. So if God is treating me that way, how should I treat someone else differently? Why should I put a set of rules on someone when God is actually not telling me to live by rules? He's telling me to live by the power that he's given me to live free from rules and live in him. So if I make my money about rules, then rules will dominate my money. But if I make my money live with a mission, remember I said money is a reflection of your capability, your capacity and your energy. If I take all of those things and submit those things to rules, then I'm only doing what the world system says I should do. It becomes another institution. But the minute I liberate my money and I say, let my money be on a mission, let my money be based on what God's capability, what God's capacity and what his energy is and how I engage with him. I'm liberating myself from one system and I'm giving myself freedom in God's system and there's no limits in that one. No limits. No limits. Grace is a no limit lifestyle. Law and rules is a limiting lifestyle. Come on. When I'm living in God, I don't want to sin. When I'm living in this kind of grace, I don't want to sin. I may sin, but I'm not wanting to sin. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about in the book of Romans. Woe is me. There's one thing I want to do and then I find the thing I want to do, I don't do it. And the thing I don't want to do, I find myself doing that thing. What's he talking about? He's talking about this conflict that's in himself where the new creature wants to do the things that God wants him to do, where his old man is still doing old things that he shouldn't be doing. But he's already free in grace that he can do everything that God wants him to do. He's just got to get there yet. So we expect each other to get there, but we don't judge each other while we're getting there. Hallelujah. And so that's how God treats us with money. I'm blessing you. I'm giving you gifts, I'm giving you callings, I'm giving you capabilities, I'm giving you capacity. Come, let's walk this journey together. Come, let's go higher, let's get more, let's do this. Let's let's live free from a system, live by my system. Let me show you what it's like. Oh, you're not there yet. I'm gonna give you the power to get there. I'm gonna give you my love. I'm gonna show you my love. I'm gonna show you my goodness. I'm gonna show you what my capacity and my capability is. So you can get there.
Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Okay. I just want to share some things with you quickly as I finish here. Let me tell you that what joy it gives me to hear Hannah's testimony and Sean's testimony and what it is as a pastor to live with them. Okay? When they are stepping into their calling and their gifting, it liberates me to see Christ working in them. And as their gifting becomes more evident in the church, it liberates all of us because their gifting's working. So must I praise them or must I praise God? I must praise God that he's raised them. It's not for me to praise them. It's me for me to praise God that he's raised them. It's also my glory and thanksgiving to God that they're obedient in their raising up. And as they raised up to do what they must do, it liberates all of us to do what we must do. That's how the body works. That's how gifts and callings work. When the Lord has got me time for me this weekend, I'm going to talk about talents and money and gifts and all of that kind of stuff. And we'll get there. You got something out of this session today? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Won't you stand with me, please? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This says I still have 18 minutes to preach, you know. No, when we come back, we're going to, we're going to have uh, Eric and Nikki talk to us this afternoon. So come with an expectant heart. Come ready to hear what God's got for us. God's raised their gifts for us to, re- to receive from their gifts. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So Father, I pray that whatever people are going to do and rest and eat and do whatever they're going to do now, they are blessed. Bless the food to their bodies. Bless the coffee to their bodies as much as you can. And the chocolates and everything else they might eat. Bless it to their bodies. Do the best that you can, Father, in Jesus' name. (laughs) And may no weapon formed against them prosper through the food or any other way. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's get back here by quarter past one, shall we? It gives you just about an hour and five minutes. Okay, see you later.